Well, this could be. So hi everyone, this is the uh, knowledge video for gastroenterology for the IMT uh, scenarios. And we're gonna look at uh, uh, upper GI bleeding here. So I'm Michael, I'm one of the gastroenterology registrars at South London, and I'll introduce Justin. Hi there, I'm Justin. I'm one of the IMTs currently based in Liverpool. So Justin's gonna take us through um, kind of a nice uh, framework for upper GI bleeding and we'll, and we'll talk through uh, the kind of background, what you're looking for, presentation, investigations and management of that. And that's all set for kind of INT level uh, doctors. So without further ado, I'll let Justin, I'll let you get started. Brilliant, thanks a lot, Mike. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna be talking about upper GI bleeds um, in this particular video. Um, so what is an upper GI bleed? Uh, basically, it's bleeding um, in the upper part of the GI tract and the anatomical landmark to demarcate everything above uh, is anything that's proximal, any bleeding that's proximal to the ligament of treats. Um, and that's at the duodenal jejunal junction. So everything, any bleeding above proximal to that, that's, that's an upper GI bleed. Um, broadly speaking, you can classify upper GI bleeds uh, into either variceal or non-variceal type bleeds. And that, as we'll mention a bit later on, has a big impact on you know, how, how we manage and treat uh, upper GI bleeds. So variceal, you can get you know, either varices from the gastric, you know, around the stomach or around the esophagus, uh, or you can get non-variceal bleeds. And these include things like peptic ulcer disease, uh, things like erosive gastritis, esophagitis, or, or malignancy. Um, it's worth men mentioning that um, from a prevalence point of view, peptic ulcer disease um, is the most common cause. Um, is there anything here, Mike, that, that you know you want to add just to the classification and the definition? No, I think that's I think that's uh, very accurate. I think there's the you're completely right about peptic ulcers being the kind of commonest cause of significant upper GI bleeding and. Um, there's, there is quite a lot of differentials. You mentioned malignancy, but things like esophagitis, gastritis, tears, so malary vice tear, for example, um, particularly if people have been vomiting a lot. Um, there's also then things like angiodysplasia, so uh, little aberrant blood vessels in the stomach or in the duodenum uh, or in the esophagus that can cause bleeding. And there's a few other kind of rarer causes um, in terms of the non-variceal stuff. And then, as you mentioned, the variceals either, you know, esophageal or, uh, or gastric is, the, is a good way to classify them. I think from an IMT point of view, uh, if you were to get a scenario, say an interview, I think probably um, it's most likely to either just be a variceal or a peptic ulcer uh, yeah. type presentation. I, I don't yeah. think they, you know, really go much, you know, beyond, beyond uh, abso that. Absolutely, and you know, bleeds are, are great scenarios to put into IMT interviews because they 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 have lots of stages to them, and there's lots of. Uh, you know there's lots of different steps of management that are required which we'll come on to later which is why it's it can, can be very useful to delineate the really good trainees from the good tra uh, from the kind of lesser good tra trainees uh, but no from background wise i think that's very that's good yep so we'll move on to how we would approach assessing an upper gi bleed um so obviously just just with any scenario that you've been given i think uh, it's important to mention that you would want to before you know jumping straight into history and you know diving straight in it might be worth mentioning to the interviewers as well you know checking you know what their vital signs are knowing what their past medical history is um what their observations are like and whether they're stable at the moment enough for you to to get a history from um 
because obviously, I mean, it's obviously in real life, you would obviously jump in and try to resuscitate the patient if, if you knew they were very unwell, but it's a bit more artificial. In an interview scenario, uh, you know, you wouldn't in real life start taking history from someone who's actively, you know, po- hosing out blood. Yeah. Um, but but because, because it's an artificial uh, uh, scenario, obviously, um, just make it clear to the interviews, to interviewers that, that that's what you're going to look for uh, before you start. And then they'll probably say, yes, go ahead. And you, and then you would start the history. So <clears throat> with regards to the history, uh, if they've had an upper GI bleed, I suppose, you know, the, the main thing you want to ask about is, is, you know, hematemesis or melina. So these are, you know, ev- you know that gives you evidence of bleeding. Um or hematochesia as well, you know, if it's it's fresh blood, if it's profuse bleeding. Um, and it's worth along the lines asking about nausea and vomiting, whether or not they've been retching a lot. Um, so as Mike mentioned, one of the causes can be Mallory Vice tear. So, you know, asking about whether they've been retching a lot. Um, other symptoms that you can get apart from nausea and vomiting, uh, you know, obviously abdominal pain, you know, asking whether it's epigastric pain, you know, to, to see if you can try to localize where the pain is. Um, and I think apart from symptoms, a lot of things that are quite important in, in getting a history from an upper GI bleed patient is other potential risk factors. So alcohol intake, and that might point you towards, you know, potentially uh, variceal bleeding. Uh, you know, NSAID use, uh, which might cause peptic ulcer disease, uh, things like antiplatelet, anticoagulation, uh, corticosteroids, um, just things like that, that might induce bleeding, things that you might, you know, you might want to think about holding um, when, when you see the patient or, or what might have, you know, contributed towards it. Um, and probably worth, you know, along the, you know, whilst we're talking about medications, you know, whether or not they're on any iron, because that's a common sort of mimic of, of GI bleeding, um, any over-the-counters of medications or herbal remedies and things like that, you know, can cause a lot of gastric problems as well. So probably worth asking in a gastric stage, gastro station. Um, and also mentioning their background to, to, past medical history, you know, whether whether they've got known, you know, varices, in, in which case, uh, you know, th- you know, strongly would point you towards, you know, one direction uh, rather than another, and whether they've got any things like coagulopathies, which can predispose uh, people to, to upper GI bleeding. Um, and I know that was quite a sort of brief sort of focused um, history. Uh, I know there's a lot to it, but Mike, any other sort of, you know, prominence of points that you think worth worth mentioning during during the station no i think you've covered it quite nicely i would just uh just say i, I would double down on what you said at the beginning about if you're in an interview scenario then don't just jump in and and start talking you've you will have lots of knowledge but don't throw it out because you do need to make it clear that you're a safe doctor and you need to recognize that an upper GI bleed is a medical emergency um, and you should treat it as such so you, and you should say that and you know you, there's nothing you can't over um overdo the the thought process explaining your thought process you know it's just like when you do maths at school you know it's about showing your working is how you is how you get the really top marks and it's the same in these interviews and you need to say well this sounds like an upper job lead and that is a medical emergency either therefore perform an a to e assessment and they might go a bit more into detail about that about how you resuscitate them and that kind of thing um 
but I hope they probably won't stick around too much for that because they want to get onto the nitty gritty as you've talked about with the kind of history and everything else. But no, otherwise you've got, I think you've covered all the salient points in there, um, in in the uh, in the history. And just one thing to add was just about pain. It's a very good point to make, and just always think about is it is there relation to eating? Because classically, um, different types of pe- peptides will have a different response to food um, because of acid um, changes within the stomach and your duodenum. So. Uh... So once you've taken a good focused history, um, what you probably want to do is get quite promptly onto the A to E assessment. Um, so with regards to the examinations, obviously um, I, in an interview scenario, I would always you know, structure um, my sort of assessment in, in an A to E and, and that just kind of gives you a good structure, but also it lets you, it shows, demonstrates the examiner that you've got a structured approach to how you would deal with it in a, in a real time sort of scenario. But it gives you a, a chance to sort of put in the assessment, like the examination together with the sort of investigations and the managements that you would, you know, carry out at the same time. And I just think it's very slick and it's very, you know, it shows that, you know, you're quite competent if you can just kind of go in a very smooth and structured way through through the different systems. Um, I mean, for the purposes of, of the knowledge videos, I think, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, talk through what are the examination findings, but obviously you'd want to assimilate that into a and A to E sort of structure whilst you're doing it. So, um, as I mentioned before, with the uh, history, if you haven't already, obviously ask for, you know, vital signs, any past medical history, uh, are they currently hemodynamically stable, um, if not already? Um, and then from the end of the bedside things you'd be looking for, you know, looking for any vomit bowls, maybe they might have some vomit there that you can inspect and see, okay, it's coffee ground vomit. Um, but are they actively vomiting at the moment? So you would think about positioning the patient so that they don't choke and aspirate on their vomit, um, looking for any signs of, you know, distress as well. Um, as you approach the patient, looking at peripheral signs, uh, so things uh, that you'd be looking for really peripherally, uh, I think can be broadly split into two things. So one is signs of chronic liver disease, um, and you've got lots of peripheral signs for that. Um, some of those include palmar erythema, um, uh, hepatic flap, um, maybe clubbing, um, you know, uh, I think that's one thing. So obviously looking for signs of chronic liver disease. Um, and there are quite a lot of signs there. Um, but also looking, assessing peripherally, you know, what, what is their hemodynamic status? You know, obviously upper GI bleed, you know, you can be very, very unwell with it. So, you know, knowing what their, you know, cap refill is, what their pulse is like, um, whether it's strong or thready, knowing their blood pressure, um, so really, yeah, two things for me peripherally is looking for signs of liver disease and how hemodynamically stable they are. Um, centrally, again, you know, you've got lots of signs of, of chronic liver disease. Um, so you've got, you know, your spider nevi, your telangiectasia, you've got scleral icterus, gynecomastia. Um, but also you want to definitely examine the abdomen as well. So checking for for pain, distension, uh, any hepatosplenomegaly, any shifting dullness or ascites. And again, this could you know, point you towards either liver disease or, or more towards peptic ulcer disease. Uh, and just with any sort of gastro um, examination, you'd want to you know, mention the possibility of carrying out a PR examination 
plus minus external genitalia examination as well, just to complete your examination. Um, and I think that, that broadly speaking, I think the, that these are kind of things that I, I would certainly be looking for. Is there anything else, Mike, to, to add to this? No, I think that, I think you've covered it very nicely. The, the, the key thing here is uh, is yeah, hemodynamic status. So are they shocked? I know they in hemorrhagic shock. Um, which you talked about nicely and you can obviously when you're going through the examination you can talk about vital signs as well um, and then yeah is there evidence of liver disease and should you be suspecting that actually this is a variceal bleed uh, in which case you know it changes management um, and I think those and you've covered them nicely I think those are the two main things you need to do and you know always with gastro it's always a digital rectal examination it's always and it's to confirm Melina in this scenario.